Hello. Hi, Katie. Hello. Hey, Char. How's it going? <laughs> Good. And hello, listeners. Um, welcome to Not So Silent Reading, episode four. Episode four. Yeah, episode four. Can't even believe it. We're just chugging right along here. Um, yeah. And before um, we started recording, I'm going to repeat this because I think it's funny. Katie pointed out um, that I'm sitting, like we're taping on Zoom so she can see me. And she noticed the really cute bouquet of flowers behind me. She's like um, sweetest little fall bouquet, like right behind her, framed perfectly in this picture frame or in this, uh, you know, window frame. Yeah, which I specifically, oh. I chose this seat at the dining room table so that it would look this way. So again, <laughs> we did also both turn our video on to find we are wearing the exact same outfit, just like a pink sports three quarter zip, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Does yours also have the little hand things? To keep your hands warm? Little, the little thumb? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little thumb hole? We'll, we'll take a photo um, and post it, but we're with thumbs out? Yeah, with thumbs out. Um, are you also wearing leggings? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. It's 20. What color are your I leggings? I haven't been not wearing leggings since February. <laughs> <laughs> what color are they? I mean, they're black. They are black. But I will be honest, they do have a leopard print stripe along the side Ooh. Uh, like hip to ankle is just like a, a different kind of texture but leopard print and uh you know just like a little oh something extra <laughs> that's nice My, mine are just like a dark gray so not as exciting oh yeah but and, and that's fine you know okay they're not all winners also these are um i've been packing because i'm going to california on monday uh, for for a longer stretch, and these are one of my least favorite pair of leggings because they are very thin fabric, and I just feel like my dimples are my business. You know? <laughs> uh, so I don't wear these out as much, but <laughs> we're gonna hope that the leopard print distracts. From so that. they're they're like the last things you haven't packed yet. That they, they, like, they're, like, they're not coming with me, so I don't need them to be clean and fresh in a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk today about our book, which is Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a little summary here. Go I don't know if you want to do, or if you want to do a summary, but just to like frame this book, which, because you found it. I don't know. I forget how you discovered it. It just popped up on a recommendation list. It had popped up on several recommendation lists and it came up with like a lot of other books that I had been reading and liking. And so I thought that this might be, this was not the kind of book that I would have really picked on my own, but I thought it might be good for us to do for this because there could be a different kind of discussion um, and like just like a different setting and world and just thought it could be a fun, a fun jaunt to do together. Yeah. And it, and it was, I think it was different. I don't think similarly, I don't think it was something I would have picked either. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, the genre was a little bit different than what I usually, I think go for, but we'll, we'll get into more, but. <laughs> okay. So what summary do you have? So I wrote some notes because I read the book. Um, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now and I was like trying to remember the character names because I have a memory of a goldfish these days because I am old. Um, <laughs> my memory just doesn't work like it used to. 
So, okay. So the main character is Noemi. Noemi, I hope I'm saying that right. I, I think so. I, I did Noemi, but I think that I think Noemi sounds a little bit more authentic. Uh, I think I Americanized it with Noemi. I know that there's an accent on the eye, so I'm just yeah. If that's incorrect, someone please correct us. But also, we were only read it; we didn't hear it this time, so uh, it, an honest mistake. <laughs> but we learned Hermione, so we could learn Noemi too. Right. <laughs> Noemi. Um. So she's this like young, what I envision as like a very like fashionable, like social kind of socialite. Like she's hip, she's cool, she's like in with the crowds, she's like going to parties with the men. Um, and her dad, her like stern father, calls her in and says, "Hey, like your cousin Catalina, who got married last year and lives." Um, a little farther away in like rural Mexico doesn't seem to be doing great and has written some really weird letters. So <laughs> I think you should go check on her. That's kind of how it starts. Um, and then basically Noemi decides, okay, I'm going to go out there and stay with Catalina. She should be fine to see her. We're very close. I haven't seen her in a year. Um, and that's kind of how the book starts off. Um, and then when she gets there, she um, goes to the house where Catalina lives with her husband named Virgil, um, who I kind of, in my mind, I don't know how you pictured him. I pictured him as like a little schmarmy, kind of like really slick, like a handsome dude, but like a little too, um, I don't know. I know exactly what you mean though. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is the right reference, but like what's coming to mind right now is the guy who plays McNulty on The Wire, um, who is currently mid, like actually in real life, a, like an affair issue. So like, I don't want to comment on people's personal lives, but that's like kind of the, the vibe I had in my head about this dude. Um, anyways, so she gets to the house, she meets him, she meets his younger brother or cousin Francis I forget the relation there's a lot of weird relationships here in this family <laughs> he's a cousin he's a cousin okay so he's a younger cousin and then Florence the cousin's mom and then Howard the grandfather who's like the patriarch of the family and there's just like some weird vibes in this house it is very like old school the people are very weird the servants like don't really speak there's just a weird air and then as soon as she gets there, she kind of starts having nightmares at night and dreams. Um, and that's kind of the, yeah, that's the start of the plot. And then we can kind of get more into it, but I'll stop there. Any comments, Katie? <laughs> I, it's interesting because the writing was almost a little bit more visceral in this book than in previous books. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the house is very creepy. The people and how they're like interacting puts you on edge and it's all done with this really subtle writing elements to it because it's not like this person is alarming and I am telling you that the character is now alarmed. It's all these little things that just like strike the wrong note to kind of create this like discomfort and that starts really early in this book and just heightens throughout and it was having like once I'd finished I was like that was so craft like the craft at play was really well done in like feeling that tension and like I think we both said too that there got to be like a tipping point in the book where like you had to just keep reading until you figured out what was happening <laughs> yep 
Um, and I think part of that is this, like she was kind of starting to pull these threads together a little bit, but um, this house is like up on a bluff and there's ravines everywhere. So I just imagine this house on a cliff that was like very isolated and from this like, uh, you know, there was a town further down the cliff, but that wasn't, they weren't, they weren't a part of that community. And it felt very sinister and they talked about the fog and you couldn't really see, but there was always the threat of a ravine. So you could just fall into a ravine. And so there was just like all these elements that were just off putting early on or like put you on your back foot a little bit. And it was really lovely to just like go from there um, into this like very dark noir Gothic style of writing. Yeah, I agree. And the the beginning, I feel like for the first third, you don't really know what's going on. You just, you know, something weird is and creepy is happening, but you don't know what. Um, and I agree. This is the like um, feeling you get is very like, I had like chills in my spine a little bit. Um, I read this, uh, I think I was like on the couch or something reading this and then my boyfriend walked in like all of a sudden and I just like jumped and I was like, ah, like don't do that. I'm like reading this book. It's very <laughs> creepy and just like, yeah. So definitely gave you those vibes. But I guess as you read on, you learn that the town at the bottom of the hill is, was like a mining town um, back in the early or I guess late 1800s I should say the time period is like I think 1940s was what I where I ended up 1950s I thought early 50s and I early 50s maybe yeah yeah um it's like a post-world war ii 50s yeah. party Mexico City socialite thing where she was and then yeah um so, and then, so you learn, yeah, so you learn the town was like a mining town and that these English settlers from England, or I guess immigrants, came and set up this house and owned this mine and ran this mine. But they like kind of, they built this house on top of a hill and they kind of kept to themselves. And it was two brothers that ran the mine and they were a little bit, I mean, there's a, a lot of like very... I, I guess just going right into it, like racist, like um, eugenics kind of uh, things they believe. And there, there's definitely like a sense of like superiority and white supremacy. And um, they like didn't mix or commingle at all with anyone really outside of that group. Um, and then things start to get weirder <laughs> as you... Well, I guess I don't know how to unravel this plot, but she starts having nightmares and dreams where, like, you can't really tell what's real or not. Mm -hmm. There's some weird, like, sexual assault stuff that happens, or not that it happens, but she has dreams that, like, the husband Virgil is, like, coming into her room and taking advantage of her, but then she, like, want like in a way wants him but you don't know that you think it's all a dream but you don't know if it's real like I, I actually thought a lot of that was re real but I don't know maybe it was very unclear and I think that's the point is that it's not very clear but I suppose now is like the right time to remind anybody listening if you haven't read this spoilers are coming in fat and hot <laughs> oh, sorry from here on out now um yeah because I think that that's part of it too is like there is there's certainly some like magical realism at play. And so there's like sort of ghosts, but not ghosts. And uh, so how kind of Virgil like enters her dreams, like 
through later in the book, you kind of realize that that's some element of the magic of this house too. So there is, it is, I would say it's assault, (laughs) but it's also, she doesn't think it is yet. Like she thinks she's just like, uh, you know, a little Randy in her sleep or something. Um, thinking back about her boyfriend in Mexico city. (laughs) Um, and we should also say, so she comes to this house and she's hoping to visit with her cousin who's not well. And her cousin is being pretty well isolated by the family. Um, and so there's only certain hours where she's allowed to visit with her cousin. Her cousin's highly sedated. She's getting medicine from like the family specific doctor that they brought from England. Um, oh yeah. I forgot about him. He's yeah. so creepy. So right. creepy. So all of these elements where you're like, what is this family doing mm-hmm. to Catalina? Like something is wrong. Um, and so it's just kind of like a, it all feels incorrect and you just haven't determined why yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's some weird sexual assault dream stuff happening. Um, but again, it doesn't, early on, you don't really know that. And then you find out that there's a mass grave um, from a, oh, yeah. a, a disease there or a pandemic that seemed to, or epidemic, I guess, that seemed to sweep the mine. And there was a separate graveyard for the English miners that they brought from England versus the Mexican miners that they hired. And so like the, the racial stuff stays uh, within this book, like weirdly. Um, and it's interesting too, because there's, I, I've read a couple other books and Vanishing Half does, I can't remember if Vanishing Half talked about this or not, but America is really the only country that was unique in that, like this, when the Spaniards went to, to Mexico, they intermingled and then uh, their children, even if they had uh, had children with natives, like they were considered Spaniards. Like there wasn't that same like protecting of whiteness that the Americans had elsewhere. Um, so that was kind of an interesting like just juxtaposition thinking about some of the other like reading that we've done. Um, it's, I was, that kind of also like peaked a little like red flag for me where it's like, oh, this family is weird because this is not the norm in Mexico. Um, but maybe it's also because it's an English settler versus Spanish settlers too. But I'll look No, I think that's a great point. I, I hadn't thought about it that, but it's a great point. Yeah. Um, so the going. separation and like the purity of their family and uh, they would say things like, oh, like, you know, what it means to be a Doyle does mean something. And you think that just because you're wealthy and our family is like on the decline financially, that we're not like something to be proud of. Like, you know, there, there's some of that tension too, because Noemi and Catalina are from a wealthy Mexican, Mexico city socialite family. Um, and the Doyle mine, um, was, very successful and is now in decline and this house is clearly in decline and uh their finances do not seem to be as strong as they once were so it's an interesting again tension between this superior and inferior races that they talk about like in the book um the grandfather who's obsessed with eugenics will talk about superior and inferior races and you know noemi comes in with like her family's fortune and like all of the uh, like grace and poise of being like a high society woman. And it's just like an interesting juxtaposition all the way through. And she kind of in her head is like this old guy. Who does he think he is? <laughs> yeah. I like her sassiness. She's kind of sassy and she's very um, vocal, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, you don't really get, I think one of the, if we're going to talk about like subversion of tropes, like I didn't really feel like this was, 
one of those stories where like the main character is a woman and she's like very shy and reserved at the beginning and then she like finds her voice by the end like this girl knows this woman i should say like knows who she is and isn't afraid to like say it um also very well educated and she has had a couple different majors and kind of like her father convinced her to go so that she could then go to like the national um university which was um not a single sex university which Mm -hmm. she was excited about and she studies anthropology so it's not like she's also like a sweet dumb like girl or like naive and wanders into this like no she's definitely smart she's like knows her shit yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah she's clever as she's kind of like un like putting these pieces together which is very fun she also smokes a lot which we'll come back to later but like it's like I just see her like in very like elegant clothing just like sitting there like having a cigarette um and I don't know yeah very poised but like also really smart um lady yeah but I guess what so where were we in the plot so she so oh their sexual the dream stuff the dreams (laughs) the dreams are, are fucked up and like really made me uncomfortable um it yeah it was just very well written by the author because it elicits such discomfort and it's such a gray area and it's like a super important to talk topic to talk about and um in the sense of like what is where is the line of sexual assault and like when you're the victim like if you have a physical reaction of um that isn't like what your mental reaction is or emotional reaction is and, and how that can like fuck with your, um, what's the word, like what you think is real or not, or how you might blame yourself, even though you're not at fault, kind of this weird, I don't know. I think she did a really good job of writing that. And it's so funny that it's like, you know, it's not like she's, it's a real life or, I mean, it is a story, but, it's this takes place in the context of magical realism. Um, so in a way it's easier to brush off, but I think she does a really good job of, of writing that. Um, so. so good. And then there's the, the cousin Francis is who, because Catalina is being like, you know, is resting all the time and is being medicated and being seen by a specific doctor and kind of like, you know, very, tightly controlled. This cousin Francis is the one who uh, Noemi spends most of her time with. And he's kind of like the one member of the family that is not quite as secretive or as uh, adherence to these like very specific rules. Like when Noemi when Noemi comes into the house, they're like, this is how we do it. We don't have like, you know, we don't have lights on. We don't talk over dinner. Like these are the rules. They don't talk during dinner. Like what the F is that about? So weird. Weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so all of these like very weird, like house rules that she was just like expected to abide by. And she's like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to keep smoking. Thanks for asking. Um, But the two of them kind of create a little bit of a rapport and she ends up going into the town with him and like she goes for a walk and like finds like the local graveyard and that's when there was everybody died from whatever that uh what did they call it an epidemic like yeah like, it was like oh, an illness yeah. i don't think it was really dying or i don't know if they yeah. maybe they named it but yeah right. <laughs> this unknown illness <laughs> killed a bunch of like the people in the mine 
Um, and so they kind of like end up creating a little bit of like a, a friendship outside of this like creepy house because as much as like all the people are characters, the house also feels like its own character. Um, and like there was just like a couple moments too where like, you know, Noemi comes, comes across as someone who's like a fully three-dimensional character and she's like in bright vivid color and then everything about this house and life feels very tones of gray. And so it's like, that's the part that I think that, again, is that good, really good writing where she is so full and vibrant and this house feels so monotone or like, you know, monochromatic versus like what she brings. And like even little details of her, like knowing all of the staff in her own home by name and then having this really weird relationship where like there's no response from the staff of this home. Like she will say hi or, you know, try to get to know them and not have like any type of connection. And it again just highlights all of the ways that this home is different than like what she's used to. And then we kind of get into the why of that um, down the road a little bit. Yeah. And I, I don't know how I feel about Francis, to be honest. Ooh, I, I was, I don't know. I was kind of like, meh. <laughs> he just kind of like, he didn't really, I, I don't know. I think as the story goes on, maybe towards the end, he was a little more interesting, but I just was kind of like, what is she, like, she was talking about how she was interested in him and, you know, um, I just, I don't know. I was like, I think you could do better. <laughs> hey, he's like the one not creepy person in a home of creepy yeah. people. And she's like, yeah, you're my attention. I guess. Yeah, that's but like, I'm like, he's not like, but then she, then you, you get the sense this is going into a romantic direction. And cause she talks about like kissing him or like wanting to kiss him. And I'm just like, I think you only like this dude because he's the only like not totally insane one in this house. Like, if you were in Mexico City, like, living your life, I don't know that yeah. this dude would, like, particularly stand out. I guess is how I felt. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's right. Those are my feelings about Francis. But so going forward in the story, I guess we kind of have to, at some point, break the big spoiler, right? Or the yeah. big, big twist. Yeah. Which, okay, so to frame... To go back a little bit, so the, this English family comes. They they settle in the mine. These two brothers, the bro, the older, um, so the grandpa Howard has like survived, and kept, like uh, Noemi starts to think about like, oh, he's been around for a while. He must be really old because he like arrived here in the eighteen hundreds and he's still alive, and it's like nineteen fifty whatever. Um, and you learn that he had like a first wife and then a second wife, and he had different kids, and then you basically i don't even know how to unravel this for the for the for someone who has not read this book so if you haven't stopped listening go read this book this will be here there's a lot of kind of weird intermarriage within the family that starts to unravel and like he married i mean he married one sister and then married the other sister after the first one died yeah, he then, brought a spare wife to the Yeah, family. it very odd. And then you find out that the house has like this mold <laughs> living in it um, called the gloom, which is like a living, it's living mold, but it like has memories and has 
emotions kind of and senses and like it can elicit things. It's all very different. I don't know if I'm describing it well. Maybe you have a better way to describe it. No, I think that that's right. Like the, the house is built on this like fungus and then the fungus embeds the house and then the fungus has this living memory. And so there's this, you know, family lore about um, Virgil's cousin, I believe. Um, and maybe it's not Virgil's cousin, maybe it's Virgil's aunt, the Catalina's husband, whatever, um, who like literally on her husband day or on her, on her wedding day, um, killed oh, Ruth. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, killed her cousin who she was supposed to marry because this is a family that marries cousins, which is gross. Um, but you also, <laughs> if you married your wife's sister, also dicey. Um, <laughs> and so on her wedding day, she kills her uh, cousin husband and her parents. Yeah, this is Ruth is Virgil's older sister. Is that right? I don't know. They're all like so interrelated. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so anyway, so this would be a tough family tree. If you were to like diagram this out, like, which maybe I should have done before we taped to remember like the, like a very tall tree is all I'm saying. It does not branch out as much as you think. <laughs> yeah, it does not, not lateral. It's very <laughs> narrow. It's pretty much Catalina. <laughs> the one branch at this point. Um, so she ends up just going on a murder spree on her wedding day, which uh, she kills her parents. She kills her cousin and possibly some of the servants, if I recall correctly. Anyways, and then herself. Um, but she so, tries to kill Howard, I think, right? She does try to kill Howard. Yeah. Um, and he survives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why uh, ha- uh, Virgil needed to marry wealthy. Um because that wedding didn't go, whatever. But the memory of Ruth is infused in this gloom. And so some of the weird dreams and some of like the kind of haunting imagery is actually like the living memory of Ruth in the mold that is the gloom of the house. So again, like a very, like even just describing it, it sounds insane, but the craft in the writing of this book doesn't make it feel so far-fetched. And you're like, yes, I totally understand. The mushroom memory is responsible. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then basically at a certain point you learn that Ruth, so yeah, Ruth had like a guy that she wanted to marry that was from the town that like they wouldn't let her. She had to marry into the family. I think she was supposed to marry Howard, right? No, her cousin. Oh no, her cousin. You're right. My cousin. But then, then you find out that like, they kind of start like taking Noemi, not prisoner, but they like kind of restrict her to the house. They're like, you shouldn't leave. You shouldn't go to the town. And basically then she finds out that she's the one who's going to marry. They're going to force her to marry Francis. Mm -hmm. And then they put her in this like wedding dress that has been used by like all the previous brides. It's very creepy. Um, And then they go, when they go to perform the ceremony, Wait, no. Do they marry Francis? She marries Francis and then Howard tries to kiss her. I don't know. I forget now where the <laughs> this goes off the rails. But yeah. and again, like it feels crazy to describe the plot points without the context of 250 pages of building up into this. But uh, Francis uh, is supposed to marry Noemi. And then they are, they like Noemi is now basically like, 
low-key kidnapped um yes is not able to like get help or reach out and so there she's gonna have to just like marry francis and that's how she can protect catalina is part of that too so there's some well, they need some new blood in this family right which is why they have to marry outward at some right point because but like, like getting mold, a little too incestuous <laughs> yeah but the mold will kill some people so they need people who are like able to work with the mold of the, of the house and the family um and so anyways noemi gets like <laughs> brought into this bad boy um and so she's getting ready to marry francis and francis is like i'll try to help us like escape like we'll just go through with this and then we'll figure out how to get out of here like i'll find a way and so you go through this and then howard is like just the creepy like lecherous old oh yeah about it um, I picture Jabba the Hutt in my mind, which I don't know that that's the right image from Star Wars. I think it's the wrong image, though. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not the right image, but like that's the kind of like just gross, like, you know, and then like Princess Leia is like trapped in the, you know, very like sexy bikini outfit. And, but he's like, she's like his slate. I don't know. I don't remember the plot, that plot of Star Wars, but <laughs> I just have that like image and that's kind of like what I'm picturing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, ugh, yeah, I just, it creeps, it's just so creepy. And so then we find out that like, there's some fucking crazy old man Howard magic that he like reincarnates into his family members somehow. And so oh, yeah. he's going to take over the body of Francis and he's really going to be the one who's married to Noemi, and she's like, hell no, not today, <laughs> sir. <laughs> and like, she doesn't say it, but time. what I read is that you could try Jesus, but don't try me. <laughs> she was like, no way, yeah. And then she breaks away. Wait, what happens? She tries to, doesn't she like knife someone? She knives like a, a couple people. <laughs> she, she takes a knife and like there's a lot of stabbing. It's like very vivid imagery. And a wedding day massacre. <laughs> yeah. I think Virgil gets stabbed but does not die. Florence, I think, is dead. Florence is, by the way, uh, Ver, uh, I'm sorry, Francis's mother. So she's yes. an aunt who kind of has a very austere uh, nurse ratchet kind of energy mm-hmm. in the book. Um, but yeah, so she gets for sure stabbed. Um, the help also gets stabbed because it turns out they're like basically brain dead. Um, they're just like bots. I don't know. It's a very, that part's weird, but eventually (laughs) (laughs) does her stabbing spree and then grabs Francis and grabs Catalina and they're trying to get the heck out of Dodge at this point. Mm -hmm. And the house is like living. And so the house is kind of trying to keep them in. And so they end up trying to, like, like they'll go down the stairs and the stairs will move and shake. And, like, there's just, again, like, all of these moments where you're, like, I feel so disoriented in the in reading this. And so what a treat to have, have like, such a good writer with this. And so they end up in, like, a dark tunnel and, like, it's a whole, like, creepy escape vibe. And then what do they find, Shasha? Well, they find this, like place where they found this statue of Agnes, who is the first wife of Howard, who is like the mold, mm-hmm. kind of. I Again, I don't know how to describe this to someone who's not read the book because it sounds like we're tripping on acid right, right now, but I <laughs> promise you this is like an actual plot point. And Agnes is like 
her memory, like she's what's keeping the mold alive. But then Virgil comes after them and finds them. And then I forget, sorry, this has been a couple weeks since I, let me, I have pulled up the summary, but if you remember, you might remember. um, You know, my pal and yours, Noemi, throws the lamp onto the statue where the heart oh yeah and burns it yes um yeah they light they light it on fire and then the the thing burns down mm-hmm. um and so they got the the mold that's living and like the the way that the mold has the memory and the gloom has memory is because it came out of agnes and so agnes is howard's first wife mm-hmm. um but not the mother of his children, but the, one of the statues that she had seen elsewhere in the area had called Agnes mother. And so basically a- Agnes uh, was, the mold was growing out of her. And so the memory was her. And so by burning that, they destroyed that and how it kind of like intertangled into the house and everything. So it just is a whole, again, super surreal and what a bizarre summary we just gave, but like pretty <laughs> accurate for what the book was. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, um, yeah, it's, sorry, I was just trying to remember how Agnes died the first time, like how did she die the first time? There's like that family lore about him finding this herb and taking it and like that's how he kind of can like live forever and then there's like family imagery like a crest of like an Ouroboros so it's like a snake eating its own tail and like this kind of regeneration so it's not really so much new people in the family but these same people kind of like recurring in different bodies and so it's all kind of just like very much a mythology at its heart but this really like dark and creepy and like one of the things I found myself like after I closed the book and I was done with it it just felt like what a completely original book this has been uh where basically you know they defeated the mold to (laughs) to save the day um but I had never read anything like this and I really was tickled by it it was yes it was very original and so a couple thoughts. One is to me, it reminded me this like moving from body to body. It reminded me um, yet again, sorry, readers, we're going to tie everything back to Harry Potter because that is our book Bible. Um, it's like kind of like Voldemort, how he like embodies different people and like the Horcrux, how you can split yourself into different um objects i mean here there's not really objects but it's definitely this idea that you're able your soul is able to re-inhibit another physical body mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i rem- like i was like okay like it's kind of when voldemont like inhibits um quarrel in like book one right yeah or he's kind of like living under his turban i don't know that's also <laughs> i mean the movie was a little tricky about it but yeah <laughs> um but the, so then at the very end, they, they escape and they go down into the town and like go to the local doctor who's like actually a legit doctor and like he helps them. And Francis is kind of, because he's, he was like living with the mold for so long, it like takes, it's harder for him to recover and they're not sure if he's going to make it or if he's going to die being severed from the house. And so he's kind of like in this like limbo coma state. Mm-hmm. And then the way the book ends is um, Noemi like, decides to kiss him and she kisses him and then he's okay and I was like what I just like did not like that ending <laughs> I was, mm-hmm. it just and I think 
in thinking about it more, I think it's a subversion of like, oh, like a fairy tale where like usually the guy kisses the girl and like wakes her up, mm-hmm. which like, I'm like, okay, cool. It's like flip that on its head. But I also just kind of felt like after we went through all this, like she's going to end up with this dude. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I had a problem with the ending. I'm sorry. So I did not mind Francis as much, but he is like, uh, there is a thing too at the beginning where you're like, oh, he's just available. That's the appeal of him right now. And like, I'll indulge this because she seems like, you know, smart, but maybe a little bit of like a shallower kind of party girl. And this, like, that's just like how she spends her time. So maybe that element is there. And then kind of as the book goes on and it has like, there is a little bit more of this kind of like family like uh lore revealed you kind of realize that Francis is like uh, rational like he doesn't buy into this family idea that like they're so great and they've got to like maintain the purity but he just kind of like is uh, a passive part of this like he doesn't uh like actually think that this is his family is better than anybody else or any of that but he just will do nothing to stop it because I think that he thought that the cost was too high so from my perspective, I think that when he decided to try to make sure that Noemi got out, that was kind of like a redeeming thing where it's like the, the character of him was revealed to be much more like sturdy. And like, you know, Virgil looked handsome and suave and smarmy. Um, and so you kind of thought that he was the prize, but really it's like this like plain, um, but also like more moral guy who ended up being like the hero of the story. Not the, not the hero of the story. No, I mean, the hero of the story, but I guess of the family. Um, so I was a little bit more patient with the kiss at the end. I'm like, you know, you went through some shit together. You had a near-death experience and you almost died by mold. And clearly how we can't talk about it, how are you going to talk about it? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> well, yes, but I also just felt like, okay, so this is like, what are the chances that you go to this really creepy house and you meet like your future, like, partner like there like it just seemed a little too cliche to me but I know that they like actually like end up together but that's true but she doesn't she say she loves him at the end or she realizes she loves him I don't know I'll say that um I just didn't find like that much that they had in common intellectually either like I guess he had like photos of mushroom or he like drew some mushrooms or drew some nature stuff but I was like I don't know that like what are they going to talk about (laughs) <laughs> I do not know um yeah like I don't know that I would like want my like <laughs> if they did like you know stay together I can't imagine her like walking to find him drawing mushrooms and like what the fuck is this <laughs> she's like a fun she likes to go out she likes to like do things like I don't know I see him Amazing. more being like a little bit of a couch potato yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like a a whole introvert you know I do want to I think that you hit on something that's part of this too, this kind of subversion of like the traditional tropes. It's like, he's the sheltered one and she's the worldly one. And so she wants to kind of show him what's out beyond the creepy castle full of mold. Um, (laughs) And like, I think that she kind of wants to be the one to introduce him to like a broader world and like, you know, be the kind of teacher in that sense. Um, So maybe that's part of it as well. Well, I feel like this would be, this is ripe for a movie in some ways. Like I think this could be very visually stunning if you got like some cool director who, and like really cool CGI. Like I think with, it could be a cool visual event. It reminded me a little bit of Get Out. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> like the servants, how they're just like kind of, there's something off and you're like, what's going on? I don't know. There was a lot of that kind of genre where it's like, it's horror, but suspense, but also like there's a crazy racist element to it that you oh, don't see coming. <laughs> you know, Get Out um, is a really great parallel, actually. Um, because it is just like the the, it's the same kind of stuff where like, there's no one thing that makes you think, uh oh, <laughs> this is a problem. But there is uh, the the uh, unease throughout that's really good. And then again, like the, the racist patriarch of a family. <laughs> well, and get out too. They inhibit a new body, right? Like that's how the grandparents are able to continue living. So it is actually very similar. Now that I think about it more, um, I wonder which was written first. Like who had that more? I don't know. Yeah. Like what story when this book came out relative to when that movie came out. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I thought it was good. Yeah. I don't know that I would say I thought it was great. If that's, if I can say that. I think you can say that. Um, like it's a book I enjoyed. I, I'm glad I read it. Will I go back and reread it? Like, Oh God, never. is it going to be like my favorite <laughs> book of all time? No. Um, I would recommend it to someone if they were like, I'm looking for something to like change it up, want something a little bit, you know, different, but engaging. Um, I'd be like, yeah, this is, you should read this. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I found it as like earth shattering as like the vanishing half or as educated. Um, yeah, I think this, I mean, for sure vanishing half was like much higher like for me, I'm like a thing in a, you should definitely read this book right now. Stop what you're doing and read this book. <laughs> um, energy. <laughs> I feel like this book is, I mean, a perfect fall read. Like I really yes. enjoyed lighting a scented candle, getting my like <laughs> cup of tea and reading like some spooky shit and like being like, Oh, I'm going to have nightmares tonight. I better rewatch the West Wing for the 87th time to soothe myself. <laughs> Exactly. It's perfect. I agree. It's perfect, especially like right now. It's like pandemic times. You can't really do much like stuff that you would normally do. It's a great thing to like do at home in the coziness of your couch with like a blanket and some apple cider or something. Um, and I do think that the, I mean, this genre is just one that would probably never be high on my list of like gotta read it want to do it for sure like let's go but I do think that like this writing was really good and oh, the yeah. writing really made this book I mean even trying to talk about it and like I also was like kind of like refreshing myself earlier about like how do I kind of want to frame it and there's not really a, an easy or clear synopsis for like how to kind of explain what this book was um but it, it really was well crafted and like as you read it you're like this is a delight to read um, I, I would, I would like to know where this is going and to really not have a sense of where it was going until it was there was also, I thought really great writing. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't really see some of the like twists and turns coming. Um, cause who would guess mold house? <laughs> yeah. <I've laughs> also the cover gives nothing away because no. <laughs> the cover is like this, the decolletage of like this beautiful young woman. Yeah. <laughs> no mold in sight. Um, <laughs> yeah but so yeah it was it was good it was I'm I'm glad we did that I yeah. think it's it was like a cool 
different. Yeah. Um, and I think that it didn't really like teach me anything. Like it didn't challenge me intellectually to like think differently about a, a, a puzzle or anything kind of like similar to like the vanishing half or educated. Um, but it was also like noteworthy that it was like all, I mean, mostly like uh, Mexican characters in Mexico, like centering not, I mean, there was an English family for sure. And they were the creeps for sure. Um, and I guess that's a kind of fun thing too. Um, but it did just feel like a nice change of like setting for a lot of the books that I've been reading. Like I just yeah. feel like I've been very American centric for a long time. Um, and then, you know, the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle was British, but, um, also just like a nightmare. (laughs) 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 Um, That's a nice, uh, you know, just a switcher up. Uh, well, think about it of our four books, we've read three female authors. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that that's been good too. I like I enjoyed that part of it. And our next book will be another female author. I'm so excited yeah. for this next book, which I guess is the right time to talk about it. <laughs> It'll be cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Wilkerson. I won't, don't want to make, make sure I don't mess up the last name. Yeah. Uh, she's the author of The Warmth of Other Suns, mm-hmm. uh, about the great migration in the U.S., and Cast is her new book that came out this fall that I did not have the emotional bandwidth personally to read before the election, and now I feel a little bit more able. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it'll be really interesting. I've heard people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to read it after we've done a couple like more fun books and this will be definitely more like educational I think and require um yes a lot of thought um I haven't decided yet if I'm gonna do read or audio I don't know if you've I'm gonna read I got the book I'm gonna read the book yeah oh no it's in my it's not bad I was gonna say is it on my table behind me it's not um (laughs) by my bed (laughs) uh yeah so I'm gonna read this one um Cast I bought in hardcover because I wanted, I thought it was something I'd want to keep and I'd want to like be able to share. So um, that was part of why I kind of elevated that to commitment. But in a 500 square foot apartment, I got to be careful about how many books I buy. So that's part of when Kindle (laughs) and uh, the library really come in strong for me. (laughs) Yeah. But this one was worth it. (laughs) I'll, um, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll see what I end up doing, but. Anything else that you're reading that you've been enjoying? Um, I, uh, <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, <laughs> um, I've been reading uh, Jasmine Guillory's new book. Oh, um, I love her. Oh, yes. Great book. So I, you know, find her to be a deeply charming writer. She's not a great writer. I'll be honest with you. It's a lot of the same over and over again, but I'll keep reading it over and over again. I, <laughs> that's perfect. That's what I like right now. Um, so that has been really fun. That's her new book. Um, and I'm just like a couple of chapters in, but it's been light and good and so far so good. Um, and then the other book I have to read that I probably will read after cast, um, is, uh, The Feminist War on Crime, which was recommended to me by my friend Jess Williams. Um, and it's about the correlation between the rise of feminism and the rise of mass incarceration. So, oh, wow. um, 
Yeah. And so if that's a good one, I might toss that, suggest that as an option for us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've got that one, uh, on my desk behind me too, as like a, a to read book over the next month or two. So it should be interesting. How about you? What are you reading? Um, I read the guest list. Did I talk about that last time? I hope I didn't, but forgive me readers if I did, but the guest list, which is also a murder kind of murder mystery, um, thing. It basically is a bunch of people who go to an Island for a wedding, a secluded Island in, I want to say Ireland. Um, and, or maybe it's in the UK. I don't know. I don't remember. Again, my memory is terrible, but they're, they all go to this, um, Island for the wedding of this woman and basically you find out someone gets murdered in the first few pages but you don't know who and then it goes through um and then it goes back in time a couple days and then takes you through the days leading up to the wedding um if you will what a tarantino if you will (laughs) i guess so i i don't know you you go to the beginning Well, it was it was good. It was like a little different. Um, it's also good if you're looking for a mystery read. Um, it was a good one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been reading lately. Um, I don't think so. I think that was the the one of the later ones I've latest ones I've read. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it for right now. But I love it. Um, so cast is our next book and I think that we are, are, because it's denser and because it's our first like real nonfiction book, um, educated was a memoir, so nonfiction, but, uh, still a little bit more, not, a, not as academic, I guess I would say. Um, so I don't know how long it will take us to get through this one. Um, so we'll just keep touching base and see where we are. And then we'll use Instagram to kind of give a heads up on when we're going to get ready to record. So yes. Um, read away, my friends. <laughs> no, perfect for holiday reading. It's super light. <laughs> uh, perfect for a family gathering. <laughs> yeah. If family is stressing you out, you can say that you have to go read this really yeah. important book. and yeah, Or just like drop a couple yourself. sentences about it and then just see how family reacts. <laughs> yeah, that could also be interesting. Oh, man. Well, I guess um, have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And read cast and tune in next time. Love it. Yay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Oh. Uh...